2: Climate
1: and what we can do about it all. Welcome to Think Again on Community Radio 3CR. Think Again is produced by Borderlands Cooperative, an organization that has been dedicated to positive social change for over 25 years. I'm Jacques Poulet. And Jennifer Borrell, my usual conversation partner, is not with us today. But Je- uh, David Legge is with us. David Legge, who is a community health and environmental activist. And he, we will be talking about public and community health. Welcome to Think Again, David.
2: Thanks, Jacques. Pleasure, pleasure to be here.
1: The arrival of COVID-19 and its tenacious hold on our individual lives and on the health systems of about every country in the world has now for three years uh, clearly shown how unprepared we all are and how much our health system and systems keep contributing to that unpreparedness. In fact, we should probably rename our health system as a sickness system, given its dedication to curing illnesses rather than creating and maintaining healthy societies and communities and therewith preventing illness. And if this sounds probably a bit ludicrous uh, to some listeners, one look at the health budgets and the proportion spent on illness prevention and health promotion tells the story. From an already low 2% some 30 years ago, we are now somewhere just above 1% of the entire health budget in Australia being spent on prevention and health promotion. And for those of us who have been active in the past in community development and health, the Healthy Cities and the Health for All movements and the associated programmes thereof, before they were neoliberalized during the 90s, it has indeed been an almost systematic loss for community and public health ever since. In our last program, uh, we mentioned that the last issue of the new community, the journal we with Borderlands helped produce, uh, that, that last issue was about, and we titled it, getting community and community development back into health, and not just because of COVID. And we we launched it, that health issue, and we wanted to make it sort of market a bit as, a pro, as an attempt at bringing it back to uh, into our programs and our thinking. Uh, we launched at the Star Health headquarters in St. Gilda a few weeks ago. There was about 25 people there and at that lounge. Several people shared a retrospective and a prospective look at the linkages between community and public health. And one of the speakers there was David Legg, whom we now have in our program. And David has a long story to tell about his involvement and in activism in health and community affairs and movement and movements. And we will try to squeeze it into the little half hour we have. So, David, let's start by sharing with our audience when and where your involvement with health Start started and what the historical and political practical context of that involvement was. Thanks, Jacques. Um,
2: I guess a good place to start would be when I gradually um, emerged from my cocoon of, of medical training in uh, 1972. Um, but that was the same time that Gough Whitlam finally um, came to power. Mm -hmm. And I was, from the beginning, heavily involved in trying to defend the Whitlam programs, in particular, two particular programs in health, one of which was the Community Health Program, which um, really broke completely new ground in terms of um, a a vision of, at least certainly in Victoria, a vision of community-controlled, community engagement in health care delivery, health systems, health care, which understood community as well as individual and family. Mm -hmm. Um, But of course, the community health program was fiercely fought by the organised medical profession and by the um, um, the conservative state government of the time, uh, which was the Balti government. And um, so there was a lot of uh, organising and ad- advocacy to be done um, around the introduction of the community health program, including supporting those community groups who were setting mm. up their own community health centres. But the the other major program which was even more uh, contentious was, of course, Medibank, as it mm-hmm. was then known, mm-hmm. but then became Medicare in the 1980s. And, again, Medibank was fiercely opposed by organised medicine, by the health, insuring, health insurance companies, mm-hmm. by, uh, and by the conservative side of politics. Mm-hmm. And so there was a huge amount of work to be done in terms of um, advocating around and uh, working around uh, from a consumer perspective, from mm-hmm. a community perspective, mm-hmm. around what Medicare, Medibank could be, should
1: be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I still remember when I came to Australia in '85. how the memories of that were still very much alive. Well, the Mm. period of
2: which was, um, you know, Goff was knocked off by Fraser in 1975 Mm -hmm. and Fraser then um, was aware that Medibank had a huge popular Mm -hmm. support Mm -hmm. uh, but... And so he he was progressively um, dismantling it. First mm. of all, reducing the funding to uh, community health centres, certainly, but then progressively weakening mm. the concept of universal mm. uh, yes. health coverage yes. um, as it was then.
1: Mm. Yeah. I really like our listeners also to get a better sense of the ideas behind the work of Community Development in Health, which was an organisation and a sort of a minor movement you started with others, and, and the work it has been doing and as it evolved throughout the 80s and into the early 90s just before it then got basically dismantled. It's just a little bit of memory work, really.
2: Yeah, well, um, this takes us then back to the state Scene and the Kane government, which came into power in 1983, and which came into power with a very clear view, um, at least in the health sector under Tom Roper, of the importance of both making health planning more um, more accountable uh, to local communities, mm-hmm. making health care delivery more accountable mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and being a bit more organised in terms of looking at the, the way in which community health is shaped by the circumstances in which we live and grow and work and play and grow old. And so in that context, the Labor government introduced a series of uh, things called district health councils, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. were supposed to focus on health planning on the accountability of the health system and on health promotion Mm. and the um, from about 1987 we we created this organization called community development in health which by the way has still got an archival website which people are most welcome to visit which is cdinhealth.org.au but um and it was designed to try and Pull together the experience of community health workers in Victoria and beyond in relation to those issues of planning, prevention, and accountability. And the organisation ran quite a number of different projects, but one of them, which has had a lasting impact, has been the was the uh, Molar Energy campaign, which was run by what was then the Kensington Community Health centre plus the local district health council and the the continuing terribly slow progress in in advancing public dentistry um, got quite a fillip from from that kind of program and it also shows how um, community action can can strengthen the capacity of governments to uh, introduce good programs Mm -hmm. but um, I think it's important to remember um, in this context that the, these two stories I've told, the story of the of Gough Whitlam in the early 1970s and the story of the Kane Labor Government then became the Kerner Labor Government in the 1980s, needs to be located in the context of the um, uh, the, the macroeconomics of the time. And... The 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 problem, the main problem, the sort of leading problem at the time was this thing called stagflation, which intriguingly appears to have now returned. But stagflation was a slowing of economic growth and increasing uh, inflation. And Thatcher and Reagan, particularly Reagan and his uh, Federal Reserve Board, elected to address the problem of stagflation by creating a recession. And the U.S. interest rates went up from around five percent up to twenty percent in 1981. And the increase in interest rates all around the world, um, which followed from this, led to a number of banking collapses. So in Victoria, we lost the Pyramid Building Society in Geelong. We lost the State Bank, which had to be uh, you know, survived by the common by being taken over by the Commonwealth Bank and the south australian state bank and the the optimism of the 1970s and early 1980s was progressively uh, removed and the replaced by a, a level of cynicism and pragmatism which is i think illustrated particularly well by Joan Kerner's introduction of uh, gambling
1: mm-hmm.
2: as a mm-hmm. way of raising money. Mm-hmm. The, the, you can see how desperate the state government was to, to sacrifice mm-hmm. such principles in order to uh, try and stay in power. And, of course, that led, uh, led on quite quickly to uh, Kennett and uh, the devastation Mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. his government introduced.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, just briefly, community development and health, how is that on the ground working?
2: Well, it was working with community health centres and with district health councils mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, producing educational material about community development and how it can be applied in health, producing uh, information about um, how, to, how we understand um health to be created this is this is well before the famous w h o report on the social determinants of health mm-hmm. um, that we were we were talking about the the ways in which uh, access to food uh, access to education to decent housing, the discrimination faced by uh, uh, many different communities, including in particular indigenous australians mm-hmm. um the in, 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 in created poor health yeah. and as I say the dental example is one of the better mm-hmm. examples That's right. of that
1: yeah. we'll probably come back to that to the next question let's meanwhile let this all sink a little bit and uh, listen to Archie Roach
0: Oh, when darkness overcomes us And we cannot find our way Although we keep on searching For the light of day And we hear the children crying And we don't know what to do Gotta hold on to each other us through Let love Let it guide us through the night That we may stay together And keep our spirits calm Only if Will shine the morning That will keep us safe from harm Oh, I cover up my ears So I cannot hear The voices of hate And the voices of fear And I cover up my eyes I cannot see what's happened to this country that used to be free,
1: You're listening to Think Again 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking about public health and especially community health and the Community Development in Health approach, one of the best and most effective preventative approaches to maintaining health for all and not just for those who can pay for it. David, at the time of the Community Development in Health programs, during in the 80s and 90s. There was also quite, and you already referred to it just before, an international movement going on, especially stimulated, if not generated, by the World Health Organization and the several major declarations about public health and health promotion. Could you comment a bit on those and remind people as well of those?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's useful to think about... Um, the discussion taking place in the global south um, and compare it a little bit to the discussion taking place in the global north, and clearly Australia is, is an honorary member of the global north. Um, so in Canada in the early 1980s, there was a growing recognition um, of the way in which health is shaped by um, how we live and the Canadians with WHO organised a a meeting in Ottawa which led to a very famous document called the Ottawa Charter Mm -hmm. which talked about the kind of policies which would be needed to promote a healthier society. Um, But this was a conversation largely taking place in the global north that that The 1986 Ottawa Charter was very influential in Australia. But uh, just eight years earlier, in 1978, um, in, uh, in alma Arta in Kazakhstan, WHO and UNICEF held a, a conference which led to what's called the alma Arta Declaration on Primary Health Care, which was much more radical mm-hmm. in many ways mm-hmm. than the Ottawa Charter. And that reflected the optimism of the global south at that time, Mm -hmm. that that we're talking about the period, let's say, 1974 through to 1978. And the Ottawa Charter, sorry, the Alma-Ata Declaration spoke about the importance of comprehensive primary health care. But in passing, made a reference to the what was called the new international economic order, mm-hmm. which was a huge challenge laid down by the global south to the governors of the uh, global regime as it was operating at the time that the um, so that the new international economic order was saying look the the way in which um, the economics of the global system work is unfair to poorer countries they are being locked into poverty and of course this has huge implications for health Mm -hmm. in terms of if you just think about the the living conditions of people in uh, large urban settlements in the large cities of the developing world and think also about the number of small farmers who are being driven off the land Mm -hmm. by unfair uh, global uh, trade relations so the so the Alma Ata Declaration brought together the the need for a a new approach to service delivery on the ground, with a recognition that unless the broader structures of uh, global governance, global economic governance, were challenged, um, they would be uh, the, the the health system on the ground would not be able to achieve mm-hmm. better health. Yeah. But of course, what happened was that we got the interest rate hike of 1980, we got the, the debt crisis, and then we got um, the, um, uh, the, the World Bank and the IMF introduced this thing called structural adjustment, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which was imposed on poorer countries who found themselves in trouble with their debt, uh, debt repayment. And structural adjustment effectively said, we're going to crash all of our social programs, health programs, food subsidies, education programs, in order to pay the debts to the private banks, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. Uh, were, um, all, were were demanding their uh, repayments. So, the if you in Australia we've been kind of a little bit insulated from what's been happening in the, in the global system. Mm-hmm. But if you're concerned about solidarity and global health generally, then you'll be worried to know that from the mid-1980s that optimism of the earlier period was completely crushed. Mm -hmm. And in many, many countries, the neoliberal uh, revolt, which was um, brutal in many respects, um, became uh, in the ascendancy.
1: Yeah, 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 clearly. I know that you're now very much involved in an international movement, the People's Health Movement, which in some ways also tries to hold on to some of those uh, principles of the World Health Organization, which to quite a degree has been eroded over that time. But could you expand a bit on their work, what their aims and activities are, and why they remain absolutely important and need our support?
2: Yeah, the, um, the Alma-Ata Declaration was 1978 Mm -hmm. but it was sold by the Director General of the World Health Organization then who was this lovely man called uh, Halfdan Mahler. Mm -hmm. It was sold Mm -hmm. by Mahler under the slogan Health for All by the year 2000 which was an optimistic slogan as befitted the early 1970s when it was first conceived. But Come 1997, 98, 99, we were looking at the year 2000 coming up and Health for All had not been achieved. Mm-hmm. And so a, a network of global um, civil society movements and organisations came together and organised a, a big um, People's Health Assembly the, the word assembly is a reference to the World Health Assembly. This was a People's Health Assembly. It was held in at the end of the year 2000 because that was when health for all was supposed to be achieved and had not been. So the People's Health Movement, which came out of that... Is uh, has involves uh, health activists from many many countries. There's active groups in about seventy countries, eighty countries. Um, the 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 way the organisation works is exactly what I was referring to earlier about trying to address local issues. Uh, which are urgent and emergent and uh, immediate for c- communities, but to do so in a way that also contributes to changing the big structures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, when I'm talking about the, um, the the structured unfairness of the way the global economy works, um, it's it is a regime of unequal exchange. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then it means that we are trying to to make the links both conceptually between the, the challenges people are facing on the ground and the way in which the big structures are determining what, what our future will look like. And of course, in the, this context, the, the climate change debate mm-hmm. um, illustrates this so perfectly. Mm-hmm. So in a way, part of the people's health movement philosophy is that um, uh, that w- we, we, the, we, it recognises the limits of statism, mm-hmm. the limits mm. of a strategy or a political paradigm, a political movement which imagines that everything can be achieved by governments, mm-hmm. uh, and which fails to recognise that governments are subject to pressure from communities, and so, but even while while i 'm saying that the, the, therefore we 're looking for a popular mobilization around health issues, not just health issues climate in industry jobs housing
1: mm-hmm. um, social determinants basically. the
2: social well it, it's not, it 's a better life yeah, living well yeah, yeah, yeah. um even while we 're look, looking at that we 're looking at the um, the uh, um, um, (laughs) I'm trying to make the point that the the aggrieved people, the people who are suffering in all sorts of ways, Mm -hmm. have in a sense got two choices. One choice is solidarity, to understand the degree to which their futures are bound together Mm -hmm. by the big structures. That's right. And the other choice is fascism. Mm -hmm. And the... The secret to rejecting fascism and um, moving towards a situation of solidarity has got to be both conceptual understanding of of the way in which capitalism works, but also some level of experience Mm -hmm. about working in solidarity. Yeah, yeah.
1: As per usual, David, thank you so much for that, but we're running out of time. We usually run out of time in thinking in. Think again. So for people who are really interested in more information about this, give Borderlands a ring or let us know and uh, order a copy of the health issue which we just have published. And we will put the People's Health Movement uh, details on the website as well as also how to get a, uh, a an issue, of a, a, a copy of the journal. Thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio with me, Jacques Boulet, and with David Legg. Remember, if you want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's programme, email Borderlands at borders at borderlands.org.au and put Think Again in the subject line. Our programmes are available by podcast via our preferred pod, uh, your preferred podcast app and on the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au stay tuned now for the following program jailbreak which gives a voice to prison inmates their families and friends and to bring us into this program we have milka mena by king steeve